اشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم فبما رحمه من الله لنت لهم ولو كنت فزا غليظ القلب لنفزوا من حولك فاحفو عنهم واستغفر لهم وشاورهم في الامر واذا عزمت وتوكل على الله ان الله يحب المتوكلين and it is by the great mercy of allah that you are kind towards them. And if you had been rough and hard-hearted, they would surely have dispersed from around thee. So pardon them and ask forgiveness for them and consult them in matters of administration. And when you are determined, then put trust in Allah. Surely Allah loves those who put their trust in him. The Holy Quran, chapter 3, verse 160. Respected Amir Saab and my dear brothers and sisters, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. On the eastern outskirts of Saudi Arabia lay the remnants of a now extinct historic village known as Al Yamama. To the modern day traveler, this village is ordinary. But looking back almost 1,500 years ago, Al-Yamama was a very different place. There, a tribe of mostly Christian farmers known as the Banu Hanifa ruled the region before the dawn of Islam. They were led by Sumama bin Usal, who ruled parts of Al-Yamama with great power and influence. Sumama supplied many of the goods delivered all over Arabia, and few would dare challenge his authority. Meanwhile, in Medina, a person of very different repute had also grown in stature and influence, and he was none other than the Messenger of Allah, Prophet Muhammad Six years after migrating from Mecca, and securing peace with the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, the Prophet ﷺ set to expand the scope of his mission. He famously sent eight letters to the kings of the Arabian Peninsula, inviting them to Islam. Among the kings who read these letters was Sumama. But unlike most of the other kings who responded positively to the Prophet ﷺ, Sumama was enraged by this letter. He was so consumed with anger that he vowed to kill the prophet and end his prophetic mission. For many months, Sumama waited for a convenient time to plot against the prophet and eventually he targeted and killed a group of the prophet's sahaba or companions. When he heard this news, the Prophet Muhammad declared Sumama, the very king he had invited to Islam, to be an enemy of Islam, who could lawfully be killed for his crime. 
sometime later in 628, a group of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu companions were patrolling the outskirts of Medina, and while on patrol, they came upon a man whom they didn't recognize and who was on his way to Mecca. Instead of letting the man pass, the companions took him back to Masjid Nabvi, the Prophet's mosque, and tied him to a pole. Indeed, that same Sumama, who had months earlier vowed to kill the Prophet, was the very same man now tied to the pole of a mosque. And moments later, the Messenger of Allah وسلم, entered the mosque and stood face to face before Sumama. What now would be his fate? I'll return to the rest of Sumama's story in a few minutes. But before I do, permit me for a moment to reflect on the state of the world today. From every direction, Islam is under attack, and Muslims are the most reviled religious group in the world. Most Americans view Islam negatively, and hate crimes against Muslims are at an all-time high. At least 13 states have introduced anti-Sharia legislation, and we are familiar with the proposed travel ban against Muslims. And in Europe, leading political candidates from several countries routinely fan hatred against Muslims and Islam. How then should Muslims respond to such hostility? Should we respond with greater hostility, like ISIS has, by driving cars into pedestrians and inflicting mass carnage? Or should we follow Prophet Muhammad who, when facing grave hostilities, manifested the divine attribute of Al-Halim, the forbearing one. In other words, should we meet hostility with Halim? To understand Allah's attribute of Al-Halim is to understand that Allah alone is responsible for whom accepts his guidance. As the Quran attests, the messenger is only responsible for the plain delivery of the message. By Allah's design, often the seeds planted by his prophets only bear fruit through patience and perseverance. In the Bible, we read that the prophet Isa, Jesus Christ describes this phenomenon in his famous parable of the sower. In this parable, a farmer attempts to plant some seeds. Despite his best efforts, birds eat some of the seeds and the sun and thorns put waste to others. But some seeds fall on fertile soil and multiply 100-fold. In other words, by personifying Halim, some seeds of faith do find their way into the hearts of the righteous. So accordingly, some of our efforts will have the desired result, but not all. And so the sowing of a seed of faith demands forbearance on our part. It demands that we personify the quality of Halim. Commenting on this issue, the Quran reminds us, surely you will not be able to guide all whom you love, but Allah guides whomsoever he pleases. So with this background, let me share a few examples of how the Prophet Muhammad responded to hostility. Once, two Jews visited the Prophet to ask about a verse of the Quran which describes 
nine signs of the Prophet Moses The Prophet explained these nine signs to their great satisfaction to, to such an extent that the two Jews proclaimed, we bear witness that you are a prophet. So the Prophet replied, then what prevents you from accepting Islam? Sadly, the Jews replied that they feared that if they were to become Muslim, they would be subject to retribution from their own community. Here, the birds of skepticism had eaten away at the seeds of faith in the hearts of these two Jews. As the Quran says, and most men will not believe, even though they eagerly desire it. But such events did not dishearten Prophet Muhammad We all know of the abuses of Abu Lahab and his wife, the cruelty of the people of Taif, the horrors of Abu Jail. No matter the argument, prayer or gesture, rage ate away at each of their hearts, and the seeds of faith could never take root during the life of the Prophet. Perhaps many of us attending this jalsa can relate to such experiences. Perhaps we face abuse from a coworker or a stranger when we try to preach. But we should welcome this hostility because it tests our ability to exhibit the quality of Halim and thereby attract Allah's help. Hazrat Muslim Anho has told us about this very formula. He said, Dushman ko zulm ki barchi se tum sina o dil barmane do. Ye dard rahega banke dava tum sabar karo. Vakt ane do. Tum deko ge ke inhi me se katrate mohabbat tapkenge. Badal afato musayeb ke chate hai agar to chane do. Let the enemy's spears of cruelty pierce your heart. This pain will surely transform into a cure. Be patient and wait for that time. Let the clouds of trials and misfortunes become overcast and you shall see from those very clouds, droplets of love will fall. When we preach, we may wrongly believe that our own efforts can plant the seeds of faith in the hearts of strangers, but only Allah can ensure that outcome indeed. It was the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu quality of Halim that ultimately blessed his preaching efforts in miraculous ways. Hazrat Abu Madura Anhu, states that he spent most of his life hating the Prophet. Once he was with a group of his friends when they heard the Azan being called. Because of their hate for Islam, he and his friends began to mock the words of the Azan. When he heard about this, the Prophet ﷺ summoned Abu Madura and his friends to come before him. He then asked Abu Madura to recite the Azan. Abu Madura describes this scene as follows. I stood up and there was nothing more hateful to me than the Messenger of Allah and what he was telling me to do. But the Prophet ﷺ instructed him word for word to recite the Azan and the Iqamah. And Abu Madura repeated those exact words. The Prophet ﷺ then passed his hand over Abu Madura's body and he began to pray. And Abu Madura relates that after this point, all the hatred that I felt towards the Messenger of Allah disappeared and was replaced with love 
He then proceeded to formally give the azan in Mecca. Or consider the story of Hazrat Abu Hurairah Having lost his father at a very early age, he long wished for his mother, who was an idol worshiper, to accept Islam. But a lot of time had passed, and regardless of whatever Hazrat Abu Hurairah told his mother, she refused to become a Muslim. One day, Hazrat Abu Hurairah relates that he again invited his mother to accept Islam. And in response, she said something so hurtful, so abusive of Prophet Muhammad that Hazrat Abu Huraira left the room in tears. He ran straight to the Prophet, crying loudly, Ya Rasulullah, please pray for my mother. And the Prophet Muhammad immediately prayed, Allahumma ahdi ummi abi Hurairata. O oh Allah, guide the mother of Abu Huraira. And upon hearing this prayer, Hazrat Abu Hurairah happily returned home. But when he tried to enter his home, the door was locked from the inside. And at this point, his mother told him to wait, and he heard the sound of water being used from the inside. He didn't understand what was happening. But a few moments later, his mother opened the door in clean clothes, having done wuzu and said, Ya Abu Huraira, ashadu Allah ilaha illallah. I bear witness that there is none worthy of worship except Allah and that Muhammad is the messenger. At times, the sowing of the seed of faith required the Prophet to exhibit the quality of Halim by forgiving wrongs even done against his own family. Soon after the Prophet had migrated to Medina, he longed for the company of his own daughter, Hazrat Zainab Anha. And after arrangements were made for Hazrat Zainab to leave Mecca, she mounted a camel and began her journey to Medina. But the Quraysh sent a party to stop her, and Hazrat Zainab's own cousin, Habbad bin Asfad, was a member of the Quraysh. And when Zainab came into his view, he flung a spear at her, causing her to fall down from the camel. She suffered a miscarriage, and she died from her injuries. But years later, at the fall of Mecca, Habar was amongst those few people whom the Prophet had declared would be executed. And now Habar came to the Prophet and said, O oh Prophet of God, I ran away from you, but the thought came to me that God had rid us of our pagan beliefs and saved us from spiritual death. Instead of going to others and seeking shelter with them, why not go to the Prophet himself, acknowledge my faults and my sins, and ask for forgiveness. And the Prophet replied, Habar, if God has planted the love of Islam in your heart, how can I refuse to forgive you? I forgive everything you have done before this. The Prophet forgave the very person who killed his daughter. In other instances, the Prophet's forbearance resulted in a chain reaction of blessings. Hazrat Hamza was a paternal uncle of the Prophet and a fierce personality. 
and for the first six years of Islam's existence, he remained an idolater. But one day, after he returned home from a day of hunting, his female servant informed him, have you, have you heard that Abu Jail said awful things to your nephew and cursed at him in filthy and profane language, but Muhammad did not react? The news enraged Hazrat Hamza so much so that he went to find Abu Jail. And shortly thereafter, he entered the vicinity of the Kaaba and he found Abu Jail. And he went straight to him and struck his head with his bow and said, I have heard that you cursed at Muhammad. Then listen, I too follow the religion of Muhammad and I also say what he says. At this st stage, Abu Jail admitted wrongdoing and he backed down. Dear brothers and sisters, take note. Hazrat Hamza Anhu's conversion did not occur because of any religious or philosophical argument. He wasn't even in the presence of the Prophet when the exchange with Abu Jail took place. It was instead the Prophet's quality of Halim that was the catalyst to plant the seed of faith in Hazrat Hamza's heart. But this seed of faith did not stop growing there. Just a few days after Hazrat Hamza's conversion, he was present when Hazrat Umar converted. And that seed of faith continued to mature. Many of us know that Hind avenged the death of her father Uthbad Badr by having a slave named Vashi murder Hazrat Hamza. And she later mutilated his body herself. When she ultimately converted to Islam at the fall of Mecca, this is what Hind declared. O oh Allah's messenger, before I embraced Islam, there was no family on the surface of the earth I wish to have degraded more than I did your family. But today, there is no family whom I wish to have honored more than I do your family. And this seed of faith took even further root. Vashi, who had been commissioned to murder Hazrat Hamza, was forgiven by the Prophet and accepted Islam. And even Vashi's master, Jobair bin Mutab, who had convinced Vashi to kill Hazrat Hamza, also became a Muslim. Such was the remarkable reach of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu acts of forbearance. Or consider the story of Hazrat Amr bin Al-As Early in his life, he was a staunch enemy of Islam and was known for having participated in every single battle against the Muslims. The Prophet Sallallahu patiently endured Hazrat Amr's hostilities for years. But Allah finally blessed him with the opportunity to convert and take the bath at the hands of the Prophet. And he would later become a great commander of the Muslim army. But despite Hazrat Amr's good fortune and accomplishments, he could not contain his emotions. While lying on his own deathbed, 30 years after the Prophet passed away, this is what Hazrat Amr said, crying uncontrollably, he said, I remember when I hated no other face more than I hated the face of the Messenger of Allah. And there was no other desire stronger in me than to kill him. When I converted to Islam, no one was dearer to me than the Messenger of Allah. And the splendor of the Prophet's face that I hated was so bright that I couldn't even gather courage to look at his face for any length of time. If you were to ask me to describe the features of the Prophet Sallallahu face, I cannot do so. The Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu quality of Halim even sowed the seeds of faith 
in the great non-Muslim scholars of Arabia. Zad bin Sunnah, a Jewish scholar of Medina, narrates that once a Bedouin riding his camel came to the Prophet and begged him to provide provisions for a group of new converts who had recently accepted Islam. But the Prophet did not have available provisions. Upon hearing this, Zad approached the Prophet and loaned him some money to help the Bedouin and his people. But unknown to anyone, Zad had a very different purpose. He had loaned money to test the Prophet's quality of Halim. A few days before the period of time would expire for his loan to be repaid, he approached the Prophet and grabbed him by his shirt and said, Oh Muhammad, why don't you pay off my debt? Hazrat Umar, who accompanied the Prophet, grew so angry with Zad that he took up his sword to strike him. But the Prophet Muhammad quietly looked at Zad and said, O oh, Umar, rather than be angry, you should say, let us pay Zad's loan off. Please now go with him, give him some extra dates because you frightened him. Soon after this, Zad bin Sunnah explained his true feelings to Hazrat Umar and said, I was able to recognize every detail of the signs of prophethood in Muhammad's face when I saw him, with the exception of two qualities, that forgiveness is quicker to him than anger, and that the more irritating to him others were, the more forgiving he was. But now I have even recognized those two qualities, and I am pleased with Allah as my Lord, Islam is my religion, and Muhammad as my prophet, and I bear witness that I give half of my wealth to the nation of Muhammad. Zad bin Sunnah would later fight alongside the Prophet in several battles until he himself fell as a martyr in the Tabuk expedition. Many of the incidences I've just narrated took place during the life of the man mentioned in the very beginning of my speech, Sumama bin Usang. Now, tied to a pole at the mosque, which seed would Sumama let take root in his heart? The Prophet Muhammad standing before him asked, What do you expect from me, Sumama? And Sumama replied, I expect good, Muhammad. If you kill me, you will kill one whose blood will be avenged. If you show favor, you will show it to one who is grateful. And if you want property and ask, you will be given as much as you desire. The Prophet left him and he returned the next day and asked the same question, Sumama, what do you expect from me? And Sumama gave the same answer. The Prophet then left again and came back after a third day and asked, Sumama, what do you expect from me? And Sumama gave the same answer. And now at this juncture, the Prophet Muhammad called his companions and instructed loudly, set Sumama free. Sumama, who days earlier had sworn to kill the Prophet after receiving the letter, now having seen the personification of Halim in the Prophet, went to some palm trees, performed wuzu, re-entered Masjid Nabi and declared, Ashadu Allah ilaha illallah wa ashadu anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasulah. And then he said to the Prophet, Ya Rasulullah, there was no face on the face of the earth that was more hateful to me than your face, but now your face has become the most beloved of all faces to me. 
Sumama then asked the Prophet, Ya Rasulullah, I have killed some of your Sahaba. I am at your mercy. What will you now do to me? And the Prophet responded, Sumama, there is now no blame on you. Becoming a Muslim obliterates your past actions and marks a new beginning. He then instructed Sumama to perform Umrah, but according to the laws of Allah and His Messenger. And in this one moment, Sumama, the one who was set to annihilate the Prophet Muhammad, became Hazrat Sumama, anhu. The thorn to Prophet Muhammad had transformed into a beautiful rose for Islam. And this rose kept radiating perfume. When Sumama reached the valley of Mecca, he began reciting loudly the talbiya. Here I am at your command, O Lord. Here I am. No partners have you. Here I am. Praise, bounty, and dominion belong to you. No partner have you. And in this way, Hazrat Sumama became the first Muslim on earth to enter Mecca while reciting the talbiya. And that special prayer during pilgrimage is even recited to this day. Hazrat Sumama would later be known as one of the greatest Muslims to ever fight in the defense of Islam. My dear brothers and sisters, while we witness the horrors of Islamophobia and hate consume the world, and while we watch mosques and gravesites being destroyed, remember always the profound lesson that Prophet Muhammad taught us that we must always have the courage to forgive. Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad the true and ardent devotee of Prophet Muhammad has repeatedly explained how the Prophet's moral excellences drew people to Islam. Commenting on the quality of Halim, the Promised Messiah Islam says, Tum yaad rakho ke narmi umda sift hai. Narmi ke baghair kaam chal nahi sakta. Fata jang se nahi. Jang se agar kisi ko nuksan pohncha diya, to kya kiya? Chahiye ki dilon ko fata karo. Or dil jang se fata nahi hote. Balke akhlaake fazla se fata hote hain. You should remember that tenderness is the most desirable trait. Without tenderness, you cannot succeed. War cannot grant you victory. Even if through war you harm your opponent, what have you really achieved? Instead, one should try to achieve victory over the hearts. And the victory of the hearts is not won through war, but rather through high moral excellences. This is in Malfuzat, Volume 5. As Hazrat Khalifatul Masih al-Khamis, Sayyidatullah bin Aziz, reminded us only a few months ago in his May 12th Friday sermon, other Muslim groups respond to hostility and oppression the same way in which it's meted out to them. But it is only Ahmadi Muslims who never take the law into their own hands and show patience and forbearance upon facing cruelties by prostrating before Allah. My dear brothers and sisters, what then does Halim mean to us as followers of the Promised Messiah Islam. Halim was on display in Indonesia in 2006 when 187 native Ahmadi Muslims expressed love for their nation 
even though their government forced them to live in a refugee camp within their own country. Halim was on display in Pakistan in 2010 when widowed Ahmadi Muslim mothers instructed their children to return back to the very same mosque in Lahore where their fathers, uncles, and brothers were massacred one week earlier. Halim was on display in Kazakhstan in 2015 when Yunus Jan Abdul Jaliyaf, an Ahmadi Muslim, sacrificed his life to protect his country from ISIS even though his government refused to recognize him as a Muslim. And Halim was on display in America last year when the members of the Connecticut Jamaat forgave Ted Hakey Jr., a former U.S. military veteran who shot at their mosque. Indeed, all over the world, from Bangkok to Berlin, from Mexico City to Marrakesh, we are the Jamaat that follows the Prophet Muhammad sublime example. Our displays of Halim in the face of persecution are the water that mature the seeds of faith. Dear brothers and sisters, do not fear opposition. Do not let others' complacency for Islam's message deter you in the least. As Hazur has reminded us, take to forgiveness, restrain your passions, unleash your compassion, build your orchards with the qualities of Halim, and replace the seeds of hatred for your enemies with the seeds of love. I close with the words of the Promised Messiah Islam, which encapsulate the purpose of his advent and the future of our Jamaat. He said, Dunya me eki mazab hoga or eki peshwa, mato ek to kum rezi kili aya hun, so mere haat se wo to kum boya gaya, or ab wo barega or pulega, or koi nahi jo isko rok sake. A time will come when there will be only one faith in the world and one preceptor. I came only to sow the seed. That seed has been sown by my hands, and it will now grow and blossom forth, and none will prevent its growth. May Allah enable all of us to witness the grand fulfillment of these words within our lifetimes, inshallah. <laughs>